You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And normally at this point, I would tell you all about the guests that's on the show, kind of a little bit about their history, maybe where they're from. But before I get into that, I want to share a story that just happened to me this morning. So whitetail season is over here in Missouri. So now it's time for coyote cleanup. And we had an encounter with one just the other day. My buddy Drew missed it. It was unfortunate. But I said, hey, let's get back out there. We've got an electronic call. It's a lucky duck. And it's the combo. It's like the call with the little tail crazy critter looking thing that spins around on top of it. But it's got a much longer range than the old crappy calls that I used to use that I had no success with. Um, and so I had completely switched over to hand calls or mouth calls, whatever you want to call them. The calls where you blow into them and they either sound like a rodent, um, a rabbit in distress, coyote pups in distress. You could do coyote howls. And so I've used those for years. I've got a whole lanyard full of them and had great success. But it was super windy today. We needed that extra sound to get out there farther and so we brought this call decoy combo setup, and I was feeling pretty good. So we get set up on the spot where I've killed a lot of coyotes in the past and get everything in position. So the way this is set up is it's probably 60 yards out in front of us. I'm sitting with my back to a tree. Drew is behind me with a shotgun, and Chad is to my right with an AR. I've got my 6.5 Creedmoor and I had the scope fully zoomed in. So like 25 power and it was set up on a tripod. I thought they were going to be coming out of the creek bottom way out in front of us a couple hundred yards because that's typically where they've come through. They skirt the edge of the creek bottom and then try to get downwind. Well, we're sitting there calling for, gosh, maybe three minutes, max five. I would guess it's probably south of three though. And Chad's like, dude, there's one. And so I'm looking out at this creek bottom thinking it's popped out. Like I could barely see it. Maybe if, if I could see, if I could find it at all. And then I look to my left and it's right on top of us. I'm talking like 40, 50 yards away and it's heading right for the call and decoy. And I go to get behind my scope and realize that my scope was fully zoomed in and I'm like, dang it. And so I'm trying to back my scope off. As I'm telling Chad, like, dude, shoot this thing if it gives you a chance. Well, it starts to get directly downwind of our decoy in between us and the decoy and only about 10 yards away. And our decoy and call are just out in the middle of a field. And so they give a really good visual from far away. But once you get up close, you realize there's this big box with a black speaker on the front of it. And so I don't know if it saw that, winded that and took off or I actually did like a quick just to get it to stop so that Chad could get a shot. And that that may have been the thing that spooked it. Either way, it took off running. Chad shot at it once. I end up swinging on my tripod um, with my rifle and got a shot at like 120 and dumped it. And I was like, that was amazing. Super awesome. It didn't go exactly the way we planned, but I was just pumped to actually clean out a coyote. And so I'm going to be using that call a lot more. It's a lucky duck. I'll have to find the the model name and share that with you guys, but it's got all kinds of presets. And so you can scroll through a hundred different sounds and I can't wait to use it as a fawn distress call 
this spring when the fawns are starting to drop. Anyways, all that to say, I had a really fun morning. Then I jumped into this call with a guy named Miles Williamson. And Miles is a fellow Wisconsinite. He has kind of a crazy story of how he got into what he's doing right now. And I'm going to let him share that with you here in just a second. But basically, it was one bad decision that turned into one of the best things that's ever happened to him. And it was cool to hear how he kind of turned his life around, changed his priorities, and now has a passion that's going to stick with him for the rest of his life. And so we're going to jump on this call and hear all about Miles chasing waterfowl from Canada down to Mexico and everywhere in between. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to the show. And on the show with me today, I've got Miles Williamson and another guy that I connected with uh, from social media, saw a bunch of pictures and videos that he put out. And I was like, man, I got to hear the stories behind some of these hunts. And so um, we've been talking for a little bit now. I just found out, Miles, that you're from central Wisconsin, which is sweet. I always like getting people from Wisconsin on the show. Um, But first off, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah. What, um, if you, if you wouldn't mind right away, just sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got into hunting, how you got into photography, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm 20 years old right now. I'm from central Wisconsin or Wausau, Wisconsin, if you know where that is. Um, basically back, back in the day, uh, I grew up kind of deer hunting with my father. Uh, didn't do a whole lot of that stuff. Um, just kind of doing the gun deer opener and stuff like that with doing the youth hunts and stuff like that. Never really got into it huge. And then uh, a couple of buddies of mine from back home started getting me into goose hunting uh, back at home. And then um, me and a couple of buddies, you know, everyone's young and dumb at some point in their life and makes mistakes and stuff. And uh, basically got caught with the fishing game and, uh, had some trouble with them, had some encounters with them as a young kid back when I was 15, just almost turning 16 at the time. Um, yeah, got in trouble with them and uh, ended up with a three-year suspension from all hunting and fishing and basically flipped my life upside down, man. I uh, didn't know really what to do at that point. I uh, was lost, uh, lost a lot of people that were supporting me back at home, lost a lot of friends, got a lot of hate over social media, over text message, all that stuff during school uh, for years, for at least two years, man. It was it was brutal time. Um, just had to find a way to bounce back um, and decided to pick up a camera, man. Uh, bought a Nikon B3400, just a cheap camera, bought it at Best Buy uh, and just went out and had to find a way to get back into the hunting. Uh, and that was the closest thing is picking up a camera. So uh, in the springtime, me and a buddy were just uh, chasing around ponds, creeks, stuff like that, um, water treatment plants, just grabbing pictures of ducks, geese and stuff, trying to chase bands and stuff, trying to get cool shots. You know, we had, nothing, we had no idea what we were doing at the time, just, just trying to get back into the waterfall. Um, and then it kind of grew from there, um, started making some money and stuff. And then a kid from high school who raised motocross, actually. Uh, invited me out to a track one time and took some pictures of him and absolutely fell in love with the sport of motocross. I uh, still love the sport of motocross to this day. Um, and that kind of took me off into the photography industry. I uh, started kind of traveling with uh, my buddy, going to local races around Wisconsin, and then just started growing from there and kind of went out through the Midwest chasing amateur races. Um all throughout the summer, almost every weekend. And uh, then got into the waterfall industry doing photography uh, with a guy named Shane Ernman. Uh, Shane owns multiple hunting outfitters from Canada to Mexico to Missouri um, to Texas and stuff like that. Um, got, with, got in with him and he brought me down to Texas for my first year. And he says, let's see what you got. And uh, fell in love with that. And me and him had a good good connection and now i'm traveling with him through 
canning all the way down and all the way back up, chasing snow geese and chasing lessers, chasing ducks, chasing crane, uh, just doing it all now, just traveling the world. And uh, last year I got picked up with a group called Chasing 49. Uh, they're a big turkey hunting company. Um, and then doing that in the springtime now and just traveling the world, hitting all these states, chasing turkeys and just living life now, man, just chasing chasing the camera chasing the birds just chasing chasing the lifestyle man that's awesome um it's cool to hear that you know from a poor choice you kind of change your life around and then turn that into a new passion which has led to insane opportunities i mean it sounds like you go on the hunts that most of us waterfowl and turkey hunters dream of um do you first is the suspension lifted now off of your license yep Yep. So I got it when I was uh, 15 and then I, it ended up when I was 18. I'm 20 now. So I'm about two years off it now. Nice. Do you, I've heard of people that get into photography and they hardly bring a gun with anymore. Do you still get out and hunt or is it almost all behind the camera? Yeah. Uh, I still have the same passion for hunting. Um, but now just, I guess my life is turned into all into my camera mainly um i do get to shoot sometimes um but mainly my focus is being behind the camera um you know guys say like there's no way i could be behind the camera for six seven months and not shoot the gun i don't know i just guess my brain and stuff is just trained to be behind the camera now Uh, i guess i don't have as much urge to be behind the gun as i did before but uh still shooting still chasing um but yeah i just uh i fell in love with fell in love with the camera and i'll probably still be in love with the camera for a long time yeah is there is there i mean i'm sure you've had hundreds and hundreds of hunts at this point is there a specific hunt that stands out to you that's like man i will never forget this exact moment or this encounter yeah um God, there's been thousands and thousands of hunts I've been on. Um, there's a lot of ones I could pick, but um, I'd say this year is my first time going to Canada this year. Uh, I rolled into the camp um, that one evening, and the next morning we went out and chased ducks. It was an okay hunt, um, not the greatest, um, but that evening we were going to chase snow geese. And if you haven't chased snow geese or haven't hunted into Canada, you need to. I mean, it is unbelievable. Um, I've never seen snow geese come out. And at that time, I guess early September, up in Saskatchewan, you're getting a lot, 90% of the birds up there at that point, early September, straight Ross geese. Um, I've never seen Ross geese, snow geese, decoy. How insanely good, insanely good. I was just, I was dreaming, dude. Like I was pinching myself, dude. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what was going on. I'd say that first, that first snow goose hunt up in Canada was something I'll, I won't ever forget. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do not have much experience with snow geese at all. In fact, last season I killed my first snow goose ever and we weren't snow goose hunting. We had seen thousands all day long. We were hunting this little strip pond on my buddy's property and these geese kept flying over, but they were like a mile high. You know, you can hear them from 10 miles away and then you see them and you're like, man, if only those were low. And at one point I just said, listen, if we have a group even remotely low, I'm taking a crack at it. And sure enough, probably 15 minutes later, I hear these things coming up from behind us and I can't see them. I'm looking way up in the sky. I don't see them, but I'm like, I feel like these are low. And they came over, I would guess like 70 to 80 yards up, but there was maybe a couple hundred of them. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, guys, if you're cool with it, I'm going to take a crack and see what happens. Like if, if I wing one, I'll go grab it. Like I'm not going to give up. You know, we always try to find every bird we shoot and I pull up and I, I put it right on the front goose and about four rows back this bird just folds up and drops all the way down to the water and it landed right. I mean like in our decoy spread, we just had ducks and a couple of geese out and it was so high up that we were all high fiving fist bumping 
and the bird is still spiraling down and it landed perfectly in front of us. I went and jumped in the boat because um, the strip pits a little bit too deep to walk. And so got in the boat, went out, grabbed it. I was so pumped. And uh, I can only imagine. I've seen the videos. I watched a couple of your videos on Instagram of birds just tornadoing in. And that does seem like a dream to me. I Yeah, I can't imagine. Hopefully I can get on one of those hunts. You got him, man. It's, uh, yeah, chasing snow geese up there. It's, uh, they're the smartest bird, I guess, when they, they are the smartest bird when they cross that border, um, coming into the States, but God damn, are they just the stupidest bird up and stupid, stupid. I mean, on a good hatch here, I mean, where we are up in Saskatchewan, I mean, we're the first fields they even see coming out of the tundra. First decoys, first human, first e-collar they see. So, I mean, it's game over before it even starts, basically. <laughs> how many how many decoys do you guys have to set up when you're hunting that far up? Uh, we usually probably run 100, 150, uh, maybe 200 full bodies. Jeez. Uh, and that would be amazing in and of itself. I mean, I know guys that are putting out like a couple thousand decoys. Right. Yep. 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 Definitely in the springtime, like in the States, guys are running two to 3,000, you know, big wind sock spreads and stuff like that. But it's just not needed up there at all. Yeah. I am. So my first encounter with snow geese, like I had seen them flying like way out. But my first actual encounter, I am. I was hunting with my wife and my buddy Tony and we went to this conservation area. Well, there's a field right like right next to the main office that they keep off limits until a certain date. Well, we were there before that date. We ended up drawing a certain blind that we could go and hunt. So we went and hunted it that morning. It was bitter cold, the worst blind we could have picked. I mean, we were like number 38 out of 39 people to pick a blind. And so we just got the worst one. Uh, my buddy Tony ended up shooting one duck all morning long and we packed up and we started coming back and I can just hear we're driving on a dirt road and I can hear geese and I'm like, dude, I don't know where these are, but they are close and there's a lot of them. And Tony looks out his driver's side window and there's probably 60,000 snow geese tornadoing into this field. And so we got out, jumped out of the truck, started taking videos and pictures with our phones and we just watched them all land in this field. And he's like, man, that's the field that's off limits until like two weeks from now. And I guarantee they're not going to be here at that point. And, uh, we just watched them. They, I would say 60% of them landed. And then all of a sudden, like a car would drive by and it was like a tumbling tornado across the field. Like the wave in a stadium, you know, when people all stand up and throw their hands up, that's what it looked like moving across this field and they'd pick up and more would come in and take their place. And, in my mind, I'm like, dude, how do you, I know from hunting for so long and the tips that I give my friends, like, Hey, aim at one bird, you aim at one bird and you shoot at that one. If you aim at the group, you're going to miss. I can't imagine missing when you're firing into a group that big. In <laughs> fact, you're probably dropping multiple with each shot. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So do you, so Canada's awesome. I mean, the, the snow geese dropping in there. What other what other places or states do you just love hunting and look forward to going back to? Um, yeah, so right now I'm in Texas. Texas is uh, Texas is a great state. Um, we do a lot of crane hunting down here. Uh, we do a little bit of goose hunting um, down here. We don't get any big geese at all. It's all little geese, lesser geese. Um, I love the lesser hunting. Um, it's kind of like a, a immature kind of snow goose hunt kind of going on you know big wads pretty big feeds um super responsive to calls uh absolutely love chasing chasing little geese um the crane hunting is second to none down here uh west texas holds it's the wintering grounds for cranes so i mean it's, there's i mean dude hundreds of thousands of cranes down here um the crane hunting is pretty special if you haven't done that um, I've done so much of it, I guess, you know, it's just another day, I guess, crane hunting, but, um, <laughs> our lodge, our lodge down in Mexico, uh, we're right on the coast. Um, that is, that's a beautiful place down there. 
Um, the redhead hunting, the diver hunting down there is second to none. It's world-class hunting. I uh, love going down there to shoot them just because you can't, you can't shoot the amount of redheads anywhere else in the country besides down there. Yeah. So that's pr- pretty special to go down there and, and harvest a bunch of redheads and, and divers and you shoot pintails. We got cinnamon teal down there. Oh, uh, we got black, black ducks. Uh, you know, you got your blue wing. We got a few green wings down there, but majority blue wings, blue wings and just a crap load of redheads, man. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to get down to Mexico or Argentina or somewhere like that and do like a dove and duck hunt combo. Um, cinnamon teal is right up there at the top of my list. I said, I always say if I could shoot any duck, it would probably be a mallard pintail hybrid, like a beautiful Drake with Mm -hmm. crazy colors or a cinnamon teal. And I've gotten plenty of pictures of cinnamon teal. I used to go shoot muskrats at my boss's pond. And during the summer, there'd be a couple cinnamon teal that just hung out on the pond all the time. And I'd have my 22 with shooting muskrats. And I'm just like, Oh man, these guys are tempting me so much, but never, never could pull the trigger. I'm like, man, I just, I can't imagine like what you probably went through when you first lost your license thinking like, what am I going to do? This is my passion. This is what I live for. Um, and so just had to watch them snap pictures with my iPhone. And, uh, that's, that's about it for cinnamon teal, but what, um, so down in Texas, you, you get on a lot of crane hunts. Are there other types of animals that you photograph or photograph, take video of, or is it mainly waterfowl? I know you'd mentioned Turkey, I think before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just down here. It's just, it's just lesser hunting and uh, crane hunting. That's all I filmed down here. Okay. Um, you know, like on the scout or something you get, we actually got quite a few mule deer down here. So, I mean, snapping pictures of mule deer and stuff like that, coyotes or something on, on the scout, but yeah, mainly it's just, it's just goose hunting and, uh, the crane. Nice. Do you, I know they make like the poster of all the different North American waterfowl species. Do you have like a checklist? Is there certain birds that you haven't got to film yet that you're hoping to? Oh yeah. Uh, I don't have a checklist. Uh, I've looked at it before and, you know, counted, you know, how many birds I've shot or whatever, and nowhere near close to getting it. Um, but I really want to do the sea duck hunting. Uh, I really want to, I want to see what that's all about. Um, I feel like that'd be badass. Uh, also just going out to like Montana or, or Utah and hunting on the river in the mountains and stuff. Um, I guess I don't really get to see the crazy scenery waterfall hunting yet. I haven't yet. Um, but that, those are some places, you know, out West and stuff that I really want to go and, and really get, get the whole environment, the whole mountain scenery and stuff. That's just kind of <laughs> where I want to be and where I want to shoot probably. Yeah. We, um, I, I've never thought of like high mountain lakes or ponds or reservoirs, rivers, as a place to go and waterfowl hunt, but we were on a mountain goat hunt, not this past season, but the season before. And we get up to like, I don't know, 10, 11,000 feet. And there's this river that's running through this Canyon. And then there's a couple open spots of water. And I look out there and there's ducks sitting out there. And I'm like, dude, we are up in the middle of nowhere. This is like some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen. And there's birds on the water. And unfortunately, I think this was maybe early September. And so season wasn't open there, but I was like, this would be the coolest place to come and set up and do a duck hunt. And I'm sure they've never seen a decoy up on stuff like that before. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called bull elk beard oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions 
or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com, and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. We, um, we've got it pretty rough here in Southwest Missouri. We just don't get a ton of birds. They seem to split and head toward the boot heel of Missouri over by the Mississippi river, Tennessee, um, the East side of Arkansas. And then they go West over to Oklahoma, Kansas, all the crop fields over there. And so <laughs> you're, you're on these hunts where you're probably seeing tens of thousands of birds. And here in Missouri, we just count ourselves lucky if we don't get skunked one day. <laughs> yep. Um, talk to me a little bit about turkey hunting. Cause I know you had mentioned that's kind of your favorite thing to get out and take pictures and videos of. Yeah. Um, you know, if you would have asked me two year, a year ago, two years ago, you know, you want to go turkey out and be like, no, you're, you're stupid. Like <laughs> anybody, anybody can shoot turkeys or whatever. You know, a lot of people say that turkey hunting so easy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I got hooked up with chasing 49 and, uh, dude, absolutely fell in love with the sport. Um, I guess, I think you appreciate the hunt a lot more and you appreciate harvesting the bird a lot more. Um, just something special. It's uh, it's a different pace for me um, from filming wise. I guess you get one shot and you can't screw it up. Um, it's just a different, different tempo. Um, you're going to different States. I think I hit eight or nine States last year, chasing 49. Um so just moving around, seeing different sceneries, meeting the crazy amount of people, you know, great people. There's just tremendous amount of great people in the turkey hunting industry. Um, just absolutely fell in love with the turkey hunting and um, I will, I'll be a turkey hunter the rest of my life for sure. Is there, um, as far as turkey hunting goes, is there a place that you want to go and chase turkeys or a, a certain subspecies of turkey that you really want to get? Uh, I want to say that there isn't a certain species. Um, but I went out to Idaho, Montana, you know, did the West coast last year. And that is just, that is my place to be. Um, just, it's just a photographer's dream out there. Uh, I just absolutely fell in love, uh, with Idaho. Um, I just think that's just the place to chase turkeys. It's just the scenery and how, how the birds react and you're climbing up hills, you're calling turkeys that are almost like directly above you. It's just, it's it's hard on you you're chasing them around all over the place but um if i were to go anywhere it'd either be montana or idaho yeah yeah it's it's crazy i mean i know you grew up in wisconsin did you ever think like you would have access to opportunities like what you've had for me growing up as a whitetail gun deer hunter like that's the only thing that i knew and i thought you know all these Western hunts were going to be impossible for me to get on, um, chasing after elk or turkeys up in the mountains. It just didn't seem possible to me. So what has that been like for you? Does it seem like completely unreal still? It dude, it's, it's unreal. Uh, I've been traveling. I've been traveling the world since I guess I'm at 16, um, going different places and stuff like that. But, you know, going back to the whole fishing game thing, like, if that never happened to me, I, I'd be in high or be in college or doing a nine to five, you know, I, I'd be doing that. And I just couldn't even imagine doing that. And I guess when I got that suspension, it was, it was driven to me to be, I want to be my own boss. I want to do the things I want. I want to go to see the things I want. Um, but <laughs> I worked my tail off, I guess, to get to that point, but yeah, it's so unreal right now. Um, you know, when the season's done, I got to look back, um, during the season, I really don't look back and be like, holy shit. You know, I went here and here and here, and I did this and this and seen this. Um, it's still unreal. Um, it's just crazy. It's a crazy lifestyle and it's just go, go, go. And, um, I love it. I absolutely love it. I like being on the road. I like, honestly, I like being away from home for nine months a year. Uh, I just, that's just the life I live now. 
yeah. so I wouldn't I wouldn't take anything for granted. Um, you know, with the whole fishing game thing, it was probably it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But you know, it's now I look back on it, and it is by far the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. What um, you said you're on the road nine months out of the year. When does your season start, and where, and then when do you end? Yeah, so season starts back at home September 1st, and then we go up to Canada. I'm in Canada till end of October, and then I go down to Texas uh, from beginning of November all the way to end of January. And then from the end of January, I go out about two weeks to Mexico. So that puts me about the middle of February. And then uh, as you go to Missouri or Arkansas, um, this year I'm going to do both of them. Uh, for spring snows, I'll go to Arkansas and then I'll go to Missouri. Uh, I'll go to Missouri to about middle of March. And then I got about two to three weeks off. I'll be at home. And then uh, the turkey hunt starts. And from April 1st to end of June, it's turkey hunting. And then as soon as I get back, man, it's on the road chasing uh, motocross all through summer doing that. And that's just kind of me doing me. Uh, don't really work with anybody else. I have a few people that work with me uh, on stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that goes all the way to end of August. And before you know it, dude, you're getting ready and you're scouting for September one again. Dang. Yeah. That sounds like an intense schedule, but what a cool deal to just travel each different season. Um, if you ever need a spot or if uh, the, the 40, <laughs> the chasing 49 guys, ever need a spot to turkey hunt, man, I can't promise anything for waterfowl, maybe a gadwall here or there, but turkeys, we've got loads of turkeys on the properties that I hunt. And in fact, uh, it would be two years, two seasons ago. Now me and my buddy both shot birds and looking back, they would have been state record beard length birds. And we had no idea. Like I'm not a turkey hunter by any means i go out mm. because it fills time in between everything else and i'm still waiting to catch that bug but i suck at calling i'm totally clueless as far as decoy spread goes most of the time it's like a running gun deal where i see turkeys moving towards a creek bottom and i just go and cut them off and shoot them or i'll yep. follow along uh with my turkey fan through a field like trying to just creep up on them make them think i'm another turkey and so yeah me and my buddy we shot birds uh, two years ago and didn't find out until this year I was looking up uh, the state weight record because I shot a bird that was like a pterodactyl. I mean, it was huge. And so I was like, I need to see. This might be like close to a state record in weight. And as I was digging through all that, I found the beard length record. And I actually had it beat by like three-eighths of an inch the year before and just had no idea. And so <laughs> we shoot some... We shoot some monster birds out here and they're all over, but it'd be good to actually get somebody who knows how to turkey hunt out here because we could connect with a lot of turkeys. For sure, man. Yeah, we. Uh, I haven't hit Missouri yet and uh, I would love to. would love to sneak down there and, and fire up some gobblers. Oh, yeah, we've got, I mean, I've got access to private land. It's probably in total a little over 300, maybe up to 350 acres, like three different parcels. And then we've got a bunch of smaller spots, but as soon as spring hits, those birds show up and I'm talking, you know, 50, 60 turkeys on trail camera, some with just ropes hanging down. I remember one hunt, uh, me and my buddy, we were set up along this Creek bottom and we actually heard, we had birds probably in five different directions, all gobbling. And I was like, dude, they could come from anywhere. We sat and called and we all sucked at calling. And so we end up seeing this Tom chasing another Tom in and out of the creek bottom. And I was like, dude, let's get behind. At that point, all we had was a 3D um, Jake decoy. And so we got behind that, you know, like you stick your hand <laughs> through the butt of it, hold on to the stake. We worked our way through the woods and shot one. And then my wife called me and she goes, hey, I'm over here at Joe's. And there's a huge turkey in the backyard. You need to come over. And I was like, okay, yeah, keep an eye on it. I was like, does it have a beard? And she's like, I don't know what that means. And I was like, does it have a rope hanging from its throat? Yeah, it does. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, how long is it? Like five, six inches or long? And she's like, 
I mean, it's touching the ground. And I was like, oh, man, time to go, Brad. Let's go. And so we booked it over there, went and got it, got set up, didn't see it. And then we're like, hey, let's just slowly walk through the woods. And as soon as we did, we realized that it had pitched up into a tree and was like 50 yards above us. And it just took off. And we're like, crap, we just messed that up. We should have been looking um, up in the trees. So anyways, lots of cool opportunities. So if you ever are around southwest Missouri during turkey season, definitely swing by. I'll have a spot for you. Absolutely. I definitely will, man. Yeah, the um, the whole waterfowl scene here, like I said, it's tough. We've had kind of mixed bag hunts this year. Uh, the warm weather, I don't know if you've seen an effect from the warm weather. It's been slow all season. And then probably two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, we got our first good cold front in. And my buddies shot, I think they ended up with like 15 green wing teal drakes. And they're like, that's basically all that came in were green wings. And we don't ever see them here this late. I mean, normally you get shots at teal during early teal season. Other than that, you're shooting mallards, mainly gadwall though. And so it's been odd. And I've talked to a couple guys who said it's been slow this year, but what have you seen? um, with this crazy warm weather. Yeah. Um, up in Canada, it was super mild. It, I mean, there's probably maybe a week where we got frost and I'm like, that's just, that ain't going to cut it. And so I guess up there, I mean, from September all the way to mainly to the end, dude, we were just shooting local bucks. I mean, mainly the whole time. So I guess up there, we never really got our full push of ducks, never saw it, never got cold enough. So up there, we had a tougher time on the ducks, and uh, it definitely it definitely showed for sure. Um, the weather was just too hot. Um, I guess that's kind of the only, the only thing I've seen up there. Um, the cranes and stuff are always here down in Texas, and the geese are always down here. Um, but, yeah, just mainly the ducks, and we never got the push of them and never saw them. So what do you do, you know? Yeah. Um, so you've got thousands of hunts under your belt. I'm guessing there's some trends that you see probably between all the different groups that hunt, um, or that you hunt with as far as decoy spreads, amount of birds. Is there anything that you would be able to share with listeners? Like, Hey, if you haven't tried this, like any type of technique as far as decoys go or movement goes. Uh, yeah, I guess, um, not sure how many people hunt little geese, um, but just, just trying to hide is the tough part. Um, we usually try to hide in the decoys. Um, usually on cloudy, windy days on them little geese, we try to run, you know, three to 600 white socks, you know, snow goose socks. And then we're running usually silhouettes or full bodies, running three to 400 full bodies, Canada full bodies. So I guess on the cloudy days, um, you're going to want to be laying in the whites for sure. You know, white hoodie, white pants and stuff like that, trying to blend in with the decoys. Um, for the crane hunting, um, just trying to find a hide. Um, that's that's a big part of it. Um, down here, we don't call at them at all. We don't call at cranes. Um, that's something I guess some people do call at them. Some people don't. I guess we've tried both of them and we've seen – We've seen cranes uh, work better without calling at them. So I guess down here, it's just kind of like a sit and wait game. Um, but with the crane hunting, just sitting still, being quiet in the blind, stuff like that, trying not to move. Uh, the cranes usually work a lot on sight and sound. Um, so I guess we try to stay quiet as possible and just kind of let the birds do what they want to do. Nice. Um, with the cranes, I mean, I'm guessing you've had an opportunity to eat quite a bit of crane. Is it as good as everybody talks about? Because I've never had it. Absolutely, it is. Yes. What's for sure? What's the best way to cook it? Uh, you know, I'm not a chef, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I guess uh, what I guess we do is we throw it on the Traeger grill. Uh, I'm gonna guess Cam probably cooks it like two and a half minutes maybe on each side um you're gonna want to marinate them i guess some guys marinate them for an hour or two uh marinate them cook them on each side for two minutes to three minutes on each side and that is it man um it is by far the best waterfall bird i've ever had 
for sure. Man, I want to try it so bad. I I went up to Wisconsin this year to hunt with my cousin over on um, the east coast of or east side of Wisconsin. And while we were up there, we had cranes all over the place. But in Wisconsin, I think it's still illegal to hunt cranes. You can't hunt them until it's. It seems like a lot of southern states you can hunt them, but basically mm-hmm. the top half of the country you can't. And every time I see him, I just think of everybody saying, man, they're the ribeye of the sky. And I I got to get on a crane hunt at some point and try one because I don't know. My expectations are so high. I don't know if the flavor will actually match the expectation, but it sounds like it will. It will. Trust me. That's good to know. Um, talk a little bit. I mean, I don't think we've talked about motocross on here at all. Do you do you actually ride? Or oh God, no, <laughs> no, you just, you just no. photograph, <laughs> just film, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was, I was uh, curious about that. I am, I did not grow up riding my wife and her sister and their whole family did. And I started getting on bikes. I think I was in college and my buddy had like a, a Kawasaki two fifty two stroke. And he's like, Hey, just feather it, like feather the throttle. It's going to, it's going to buck you off if you don't. And I'm like, Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Like I've ridden enough snowmobiles and four wheelers and stuff. And man, I'm telling you, he had a driveway that just went down. He was in a subdivision, just like probably a 30 foot driveway that went down to the road. And then straight across was the neighbor's yard. So he's like, feather it, get out on the street. And then you can actually open it up a little bit. And as I got on it and I just barely hit the throttle and it kicked me all the way to the back. I'm still holding on, forced me to whiskey throttle, went across the street, hit the curb, which popped me back up on the bike. And then I'm like burning out or like peeling out in the neighbor's yard, get on the street. And I just like took off. I was like, oh crap, this might not be for me. Um, (laughs) But now it's funny because my, my son and his buddy Levi, they both have little dirt bikes they're battery powered ones but they go like 17 miles an hour or something like that mm-hmm. and they just rip around all day long on them yep yep so was it your buddies you said your buddies got into motocross and so that's how you kind of got into traveling and and videoing it yep yeah my buddies uh i guess you know same thing as you know the little kids you know they've been doing it for how many years when they're just could barely get on a bike and that's what they live and die by and uh got in with them and uh i guess the rest is history kind of and followed them around like i said and then i started going to some bigger races uh, i went up to las vegas one time to shoot a supercross monster energy supercross race out in las vegas uh, i've gone down to Two national races like Red Bud in Michigan. I've gone to Loretta Lynn's, which is the biggest amateur national championship. Uh, that's in uh, Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, man, just filming uh, a lot of amateur races, uh, making client videos, doing photo packages every weekend, do a lot of work. Mainly a lot of my work is in Minnesota, um, just north of Minneapolis there. Um, you got a bunch of races up there going to Millville and stuff like that. But yeah, just chasing, chasing the next race the next weekend and uh, just trying to make a buck. Yeah. Um, have you ever gotten on one? Like, has anybody actually convinced you to ride? Yeah, I did one time. Um, yeah, it was a KTM 254 stroke. Uh, it was like a practice day or whatnot, just tooling around on the track. But dude, that was enough for me. My <laughs> body was completely sore the next day, dude. I just, the stuff I seen, I guess, um, it's just an eye opener, dude. Like, I'm out there in the thick of it, and like, you see some crazy shit happen out there. Oh, I bet. Crazy acts, accidents, guys. You know, getting knocked out, breaking arms, breaking legs, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of not for me. I'd rather be behind the <laughs> camera. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm one of the least crazy out of all my buddies they always seem to be getting hurt doing something stupid, whether it's like mountain boarding down their driveway and catching a rock um, or getting hurt on dirt bikes, wakeboarding. I like to try all of it, but I am not the dude to push the limits at all. I'm like, I enjoy when my body works the way it should. And (laughs) if I injure myself, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah. 
Um, have you have you ever gone to any of the hill climb events, or have you seen those? Uh, I haven't actually. I've been asked a few times to go film a few, but I just haven't. Dude, talk about crazy stuff, man. They're just going up like 80 degree walls on the dirt bikes and then sometimes tumbling down trying to dodge a bike that's chasing them down. Uh, yeah. All of that stuff. I mean, Monster Energy and like Monster and Red Bull, it's the energy drink companies that promote all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, you got to be hopped up on some of that to to get on oh, a bike yeah. and climb 200 feet straight up a mountain. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen videos and stuff from that stuff. And I actually got quite a few of them in Wisconsin or the Midwest there. And uh, you see the guys when they fall off the bikes and like everybody's running down the hill to try to grab the guy's bike and they can't <laughs> and they're just tumbling down. Yeah, it looks, looks gnarly. I would like to get out there and uh, try it sometime for sure. Yeah. Um, are there any sports that you're wanting to get into filming? Or any uh, types of different hunts, even. Big game, big game is just, I guess, the place to be. I think um, I would love to do a lot more big game stuff: elk hunting, mule deer hunting, bear hunting. You know, go up to Alaska, moose hunting, stuff like that. That's, I think, that's where it's at for sure. Um, but with my schedule and stuff, it's so hard, so hard to find time to go do that. Yeah. Yeah, you almost have to pair a hunt out there with like a a turkey hunt out. I think you could probably get on spring bear around the same time you'd be turkey hunting out in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it seems like the Rocky Mountains is just the place to be for wildlife. I mean, I never thought the Front Range of Colorado would be a hot spot for waterfowl hunting. But man, I've shot more birds there than almost anywhere else I've lived. And, and then hearing about people chasing after turkeys, it's obviously totally different in the mountains trying to hunt a turkey, uh, in that type of terrain with that many predators around like here, I'm one of those guys that would be the one to be like, dude, turkey hunting's easy. Anybody could go t- kill a turkey, but I've also <laughs> hunted places with very high populations and, the properties that I've hunted have hardly had any hunting pressure on them. Um, but out West, man, I think that'd be cool to hike around in the mountains and, and try to find a gobbler out there. Absolutely. Well, man, um, I want to give you a chance to share with the listeners where they can find all of your content. I know you produce some amazing photos and videos and all that stuff. And so if you've got, uh, social media pages, um, websites, or do you, do you still do like, uh, contract work or are you basically contracted all year long now? Um, it's kind of, it's 50, 50, I guess. Yeah. I still do contract work. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, um, you can share all that information if, if people want to get a hold of you to come and film a hunt or film an event, uh, or just where to follow you. Yeah, so uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's uh, at Miles K. Williamson. Um, we also have a new uh, social media page that has a lot of my stuff on it. Um, it's at Flyways Finest. That is the Instagram, and that is uh, the YouTube um, for our 20-episode YouTube series. It is also at Flyways Finest. Uh, you guys can go on there, hop on there, check out a bunch of stuff, and uh, hopefully you guys can like some pictures and send me a DM or something. If you want to chat about camera gear or whatnot, or just want to chat about getting in the hunting industry. Nice. And, um, what about the chasing 49? Is that, do they have their own page that people can see your work at? Uh, yeah. Um, some of their work, uh, let's check here. I think it is, uh, chasing underscore 49 is their Instagram handle. Sweet. Well, yeah, I'll be sure to put all of that stuff in the description of this podcast episode so that people can just go click over and check your stuff out, give you a like and a follow. And, um, man, it sounds like you've got, you've probably got more waterfowl stories than anyone I've ever talked to on the podcast. And so, uh, hopefully we can connect at some point and get out on a hunt together, whether that's out West, or if you want to come down and chase a spring gobbler here in Missouri, we're not that far away, man. I can't like I this year or last year flew by so fast and 
we had our first encounter of turkeys the other day. Um, it was the final day of bow season and we saw some pitch across the road into a field that we can hunt. And I'm like, dude, we're like only a couple months away from turkey season. I feel like we just got done with turkey season, but it's coming it's quick. Coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's do you uh, uh, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Uh yeah, if, I don't know what you're doing from February twenty fifth through like March sixteenth, but I'll be up in northwest Missouri chasing snow geese all the time. So oh, you nice. come up for a couple couple of days and shoot some snow geese. Be my guest, man. Would love to have you out there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I uh I think I've got a Texas hunt the first few days of March, maybe the last few days of February and beginning of March, and then um, we're just going after hogs on public land with a with a group of guys, and then I should be back here, so I might hit you up on that. That sounds fun. I want to see them Absolutely. work, dude. I've seen them. I've seen the big groups, and I've just never been underneath them. You know. You know. Yeah, come on out, man. Should be should be a good spring. Yeah, that sounds awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on a call and uh, share some of your stories and experiences. And yeah, let's get together soon. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And holy cow, I am so pumped for a snow goose hunt up in northern Missouri. I really hope it works out. Now, I get a lot of in-passing comments like, oh, dude, you should totally come hunt with me. And I would love to make all of them happen. Unfortunately, time and money doesn't allow. But this is one of those opportunities that I think I have to make happen. I want to go snow goose hunt so bad and just see a tornado of a thousand birds dropping in on us. That seems like heaven on earth to me. And so hopefully I've got more cool content, some pictures and videos uh, to share with you guys. And who knows, I might have some of the coolest pictures ever if Miles is behind the camera when I go up there and hunt. Anyways, all that to say, if you guys are out there hunting, chasing after animals, uh, whether it's birds, small game, or if there's even deer seasons open still, um, or picking up sheds, a ton of people are out there posting pictures and videos of shed hunting. And in fact, my buddy Brian, I think in two days, he already found eight up in North Dakota. So I'm pumped for him. Um, but man, continue to get out there. I know it seems like all of the seasons are ending right now, but live it up while you can because soon we're going to be in that lull where it's basically only coyotes and we're going to be gearing up for turkey hunting and then we've got a huge lull until the fall so get out there chase after whatever you want do it legally have fun most of all be safe and until next time always choose adventure and god bless